Morning, everyone. Everybody doing good uh, this year, nine days in? Everybody's holding true to the course, right? Yeah, sounds like you are. So, Pat, you were supposed to warm the crowd up for me. Okay. We'll have to find someone different next week. Hey, uh, we're in a we're in a series, uh, I guess, a series called Up. And last week we took a look at at uh, a really cool story not not just a cool story, but a, a very um, impactful story that we, we read about in the uh, in the Gospels. And that's where uh, Jesus had four friends, or Jesus, uh, a guy had four friends, a paralytic had four friends that cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down in front of in front of Jesus and. And Jesus touched that guy. Now that guy was paralyzed physically, but last week we introduced the concept, I wonder how many of us are paralyzed emotionally. I wonder how many of us are paralyzed sitting in here today, paralyzed spiritually, or, you know, one of those things. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of different paralyzing emotions, such as resentment, such as buried anger, uh, loneliness, grief, worry, indecision, indecisiveness, you know, things like that. There, there are things that make us feel like our lives are out of control. There are things that... That, 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 can, that can take place within our lives, these emotions that can take place, that takes up residence within our lives, and it literally just, it's like we carry this around, it's like baggage, and it just really strips us away of joy, it strips us away of, of, of being the person that God has really created us to be. And, and as we talked about last week, our language starts to become uh, who we are. We start saying things like, I can't, or, or this won't, or this will never and so our language really starts giving an indication of what's taking place, you know, on the on the inner level of ourselves. And so the first step is of change is always going to be the hardest. The first step of becoming healthy is always going to become, or, or always is the hardest. Whether it's uh, losing weight, whether it's getting in shape, whether it's uh, spiritually becoming more fit, whatever it is, the first step is always going to be the hardest. Now, the very very first step that has to take place is the admission step, which says, I'm not all there. Which says, you know what? I'm not all who I'm cracked up to be. That's the first step. And for some of us in here this morning, there's about two different types of people in here. There are those in here that will leave this morning that will say, man, I wish my spouse would have heard that message because they're really screwed up. Right? Right? And, and, and what, that is, what that is, is an indication to us that, that, that we're unaware. We're unaware of our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups. We're unaware of the dysfunction that we carry around. You know, guys, that's why our homes are dysfunctional. Let me just say this. You know, uh, I didn't do this in the first service, but I really wrote it out on the Adrian. And, and it's this. You know, as we get into this talk, just to be completely open and honest with you, it's, it, it's the fact that we're screwed up people. We're dysfunctional people. I mean, I don't want to burst anybody's self-perception or anything like that, but we're screwed up dysfunctional people. The problem is, is when we're completely unaware of it. Because what happens is, in our homes, the way we were raised, there are things that are just, there are things that aren't right. But to us, it's normal. Oh, to us, that's what we experienced our whole lives. And so what we do is we bring that into different contexts. We bring it into you know, our homes, our married lives, and we start kind of screwing up that relationship a little bit. We bring it into the church. We screw up the, you know, that relationship. We bring it into our governments, our schools, our businesses, our, whatever it is. We bring ourselves to the mixture, and we start screwing things up because we're not all who we say we are. We're, 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 
We're dysfunctional. There's areas in our lives that need to be changed. Now, are some of you in here this morning, you will walk out of here completely oblivious to what we just said. You will walk out just as unaware as you were when you came in that you're dysfunctional in some areas. That's sad. Because you've got areas that you need to change. What you're saying is, if you, walk, if you leave and you live your life in a state of unawareness, what you're saying is, this is who I am. I am, I've arrived, this is who I am. And you see, that's not the process that we're wanting to talk about today. We're wanting to talk about change. And then there's the other side of the, uh, of, uh, there's going to be people that says, you know what? I need healing within my life. You know what? I've got some dysfunction within my life. You know what? I've got some brokenness in my life that, that, that I need to allow God to come in and to make some changes. Now, when we make that decision, that's when we're going to be, it's easy to become devastated. It's easy to become discouraged because we become very vulnerable. And because it's, because vulnerability requires, you know, just really laying it out there open, because of that, it, there's, a, there's some hurt to come with that. If you have someone of you, there, there may be some of you in here this morning that you've allowed someone close to come into your life to say, you know what, there's an area within your life you really need to allow God to have control over. This, this, this area in your life is not good. This area, and they're not being judgmental. They're, they're coming to you as a friend. They're coming to you as someone who loves you. And they're saying this, this area here is really bringing you down. This area is not you. And you really need to allow God to bring some healing to this brokenness within your life. And, and those of you that have allowed people to do that, I've allowed people to do that within my life. When you allow someone to do that within your life, at times that can be very hurtful because it's someone peeling back wounds. It's someone peeling back scabs and pouring salt on them and putting their finger on it and saying, let's... We need to grow in this area. And some of you, if you went through that process, you can say, you know what, that's the most cathartic thing that's ever happened to me. I feel so free now with that situation. Some of you here this morning may say, you know what, I'm not going to allow it to happen because it's painful. And that's what I want to talk about today. What, when we start going through this process, when change seems hopeless, where do we get that hope from? When change seems like you know, it's, it, it becomes overwhelming and devastating and discouraging, what do we, you know, what do, we do? And it's during this moment, and I want to turn, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, in Matthew chapter 5, it's often called, chapter 5 through, I believe, chapter 7 of Matthew, it's, it's, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what it is, Jesus, uh, he started his ministry, and he came to this uh, hill, and he, and, he, and he walked up this hill with his disciples, and he sat down with them, and he began to teach them. And essentially what he was saying is this. People who are going to be part of my kingdom are going to take on a certain characteristic. People who are going to be part of my kingdom are going to view things like this. And he began to lay it out and open it up and teach them. Now, this is where it can become overwhelming and devastating and discouraging at times. Because when I read this, I'm like, yeah, that's not me. And it's like, ouch, that's not cool either. And, and, and when we look at it, it's like a mirror, right? That's why I think some of us don't read the Bible. Because when we read it, it's like, yeah, I'm not really, that's not me. But it's a mirror. And Jesus is saying, this is what my people will look like. And, and in the first part of this, it's often called the Beatitudes. And he says this, these are the attitudes that people, this is the attitude that people will have. And in verse 4, he says this. He, said, Bless, he says, Bless, blessed are those who mourn, 
for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now what he's saying is this. You go to a restaurant, and they change the menu on you, and they get rid of your favorite dish, and you mourn about that? That's probably not what he's talking about, okay? What he's talking about is when we start this change process, when we start taking a look at the Word of God and we say, you know what, God? I'm not the person that you've called me to be. I'm, I'm not that person yet. I'm struggling, God. I'm not, I'm not that. And you begin to see yourself the way, G, the way Jesus sees you in that respect. Now again, I'm not, I'm not talking about His love because he, he, he loves us. But I'm talking about you start seeing yourself and you say, you know what? I'm not that. And it brings you grief. It brings you sorrow because you're, 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 you're beginning to become more in love with Jesus and you're starting to have more of this intimate relationship with Him and you start to realize that, that something's missing, that you've got some changes to take place and you begin to feel this despair and grief. And God, at that point in time, Jesus is saying, blessed, blessed are you. You're going to be comforted. Because of that, you're going to be comforted, and we're going. You know, I will. You're you're going to find comfort. In one translation, it says this: God blesses those people who grieve; they will find comfort. What God is saying is this: this change stuff is is a painful process. This change stuff is extremely painful. Whether you know whatever it may be, owning up to your issues. Owning up to your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups and all that stuff. When you begin to say, you know what, God, I want to see, I want to see some health in these, in these areas. It's going to produce pain because it's, it's, it's that anytime we change, it produces that type of pain. Proverbs 18.14 says this, No one can live with a broken spirit. And so there's that grief. I believe the NIV says this, crushed spirit. It asks the question, a crushed spirit, who can bear that? So what is hope? You know, when you go through that process, when you begin that process, you, some, you, at times you want to say, what is the hope? What is the hope, man? I'm, this is really painful. I don't see any progress. I, I feel like I'm taking one step forward and three steps back. And, and I'm not so sure I see any process. And this is extremely painful. I'm tired of allowing people to come into my life and say, this is where I need to grow. I'm tired of that. And we start to lose hope. Where is the hope? Where do we find the hope to continue on? Hope is that light at the end of the tunnel that says, you know what, if I stick with this, if I commit to this, if I allow God to take me through this process, I'm going to see, I'm going to see health. I'm going to see healing take place. It's that energy that keeps you going. It's that energy that, that, that keeps you focused. So the issue becomes, how do you have hope, or where do you get that hope when change seems hopeless? When you look at your marriage and you say, you know what, I've been working on my marriage and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Where do you get the hope to continue on? Or I've worked on these issues, these things in my life that I don't like and I want to change them, but I don't see any progress. Where do you, dig, where do you find the hope, the energy to continue on? The Bible talks, I want to share with you four things and how they kind of build on each other. The first one's pretty obvious, but um, it's kind of like one of my favorite ones because I think we lose sight of this one very easily. The first one is this. Remember God is with you. Now that's pretty profound, isn't it? I spent a lot of time translating the Greek to come up with that one, right? I mean, that's pretty profound, isn't it? You like that one. Remember God is with you. Here's the kicker, guys. When you start feeling hopeless, 
do you like start taking control of your life? We say cognitively we know that God is with us, but you let a crisis come into your life, what's one of the first things that's so easy for us to do? Well, I will fix this. And it's not like we're saying, God, it's not like we, it's not like we intentionally say, God, you're not big enough to fix my problem. God, you're not, you know, I don't believe you have the capabilities of, of walking me through this situation. It's not really like that. Maybe some do. I don't think it's like that. I think it's more like this, where something happens and automatically our nature says, I've got to fix this. Something's wrong. I've got to put my hands on it and I've got to fix it. When we forget that God is with us. In fact, the definition of an atheist, listen to this. The definition of an atheist is someone who is living as if there is no God. And if that's the definition of an atheist, someone who's living as if there is no God, I wonder how many of us Christians could be labeled as atheists. We talked about that last year. We talked about Christian atheism. Because even though we believe in God, a lot of times we act as if, when it comes to our problems, that God doesn't exist. Whether it be we think that maybe God's going to take us through the hard way. Because that's how we learn. That's how we grow, right? Or maybe we just, it's just automatic for us. I wonder how many of us, when, we, when we're faced with a crisis, something comes out of the clear blue in our lives, right off the bat we say, you know what, before I even give this any more thought, before I give this any more energy, before I even really contemplate on this whatsoever, I'm going to consult God and I'm going to look to His Word to see what He has to say about it. And I am not moving until I hear God speak to me. I don't, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll take one for the team. There's a lot of times I've got to get beat down pretty far, and I don't know if I'm just that stupid. And I've been walking with God for a long time, but I feel like I am that spiritually ignorant at times, where it's like I've got to take a few really strong hits to, then to remember, you know what? Why am I dealing with this? Why isn't God dealing? Why, why am I not releasing this and giving this to God? God's with me. I can't deal with I can't do this on my own. This is God's. He's got to be the one that takes it. There's a prayer, uh, a verse in the Bible that's really kind of a prayer, and it says this, Lord, when doubt fills my mind and when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. The first step, really, as we go through this, to, to find hope in this whole change process when God comes into our lives and, there's that, and He illuminates those areas where, where, and maybe He's done it in the past for you, but he, there's those areas where God says, it is time for you to clean this up. And it feels devastating and discouraging. Where do you get the hope to continue on? We remember that God is with us and that God is the one that's going to get us through it. The second one is this. Remember that He cares about you. Remember that He cares about you. He loves you. You matter to Him. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, he says, I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. Guys, how many, this, the reason why this one is a struggle for us, because what we're talking about here is unconditional love. The reason why a lot of us struggle with unconditional love is because we were either raised in a family where the love was conditional, or we have just, just as we live in our, in our lives here on this earth, that is how we humans operate a lot of times, right? 
How many of you this past week probably experienced someone who, who, who they may have not come out and just verbally said it, but through their actions they said, if you don't measure up to my expectations, I will withhold my love from you. That's conditional love. And yet God says, I love you with an everlasting love. You see, what happens is, we experience this conditional love on a human level. We experience this conditional love on a relational level as we live out our lives. And, 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 and again, if it's, you know, maybe we were raised in that, which really makes a, 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 a very hard imprint upon our lives. But even as we continue on in life, we, 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 we experience this conditional love. And what do we do? We project that on God right off the bat. Well, how could God love me when I've got some stuff in my life that really needs change? Now, I'm not, you know, I'm saying when God illuminates things in our lives, we need to make some attempts and give Him control to, to allow those changes to take place within our lives. But what I'm saying is this God loves us unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. The question I have for you is this Have you ever allowed God to love you? Have you ever been able to just sit back and say, God, here I am with my baggage, with the things that's in my life that I, that, that I struggle with? God, here I am. Have you ever been able to just allow God to just love you? Henry Nouwen wrote a book called The Prodigal Son. And, and, and I'm, many of you are probably familiar with the story, but it's a story, a parable within the Gospels. And in this parable... It talks about a dad that has a son, and his son comes to him, and his son demands half of his inheritance. And so the dad gives it to him, and the son takes his inheritance. He runs off with it. He squanders it. He, he uses it for lasciviousness living, some wild living and things like that. And at some point, he becomes destitute. He becomes broke. He, he, start, you know, he just hits the bottom of life. And he, as he's at the bottom of life, he starts thinking about where he came from. And he thinks about his father. And he starts thinking about, he's like, geez, you know, the hired people, the hired people that my dad has lives a life better than I've got. And he, and he musters up the courage to go back home and to apologize to his dad. Check out this video as this video really articulates this in a clearer way. The artist Rembrandt painted a painting of the prodigal son, and in that painting it shows the father welcoming his son in the center of, it, of that, of that uh, painting. Uh, it shows that, that welcoming home, that, that embrace. And off to the side in that same painting, there are some bystanders there looking, whether it be the old eldest son or uh, some other individuals. And as Henry Nouwen wrote in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, he says this. He says, For years I instructed students on the different aspects of the spiritual life. But one day I realized that I had never ever really dared to step into the center of the picture. Kneel down and let myself be held by a forgiving God. He goes on to say, I need to move from a bystander to a participant. From a teacher about love to being loved as the beloved. But I didn't have an inkling of how difficult that journey would be and how much longer it would take to complete. Guys, I wonder how many of us are sitting here this morning where we're deceived by the enemy that says you can't be at the center of that picture. You can't be a recipient of that unconditional love of Jesus. 
Psalm 103 says this, He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic, for He knows what we're made of. Romans 5.8, Paul talks about how much God loves us by showing, uh, showing, demonstrating that love by sending Jesus Christ to the cross for our salvation. So we remember that He cares about us. The third thing is this, He knows our situations. He knows our problems, He knows our pain, He knows the, things, the, hurt, and the, uh, the hurt of our hearts. He knows all of our habits, our hang-ups, and all of that stuff. Psalm 56, 8, the psalmist says this, You know how troubled I am. You have kept a record of my tears. Talk about love. Talk about knowing the very intricate detail of our lives. God keeps a record of every tear that streams down our cheeks. Talk about being up close and personal. You see, nothing is beyond His love. His compassionate grace. People will say this. You've heard people say this. You may have even said that. You know what? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the situation that I'm in right now. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know the decisions that I've got to make. You don't know where I've come from. And you're probably right. I don't. But God does. To the point where Paul writes in Romans 8, he says this, when we don't even know how to pray, God, when we're in pain and don't know which way to turn, the Holy Spirit prays for us. What an, what an incredible, intimate Verse, truth. And the psalmist writes, you have seen the crisis in my soul. God knows. God knows all about it. The last thing I want to share with you is this. We need to remember the power that He has. Luke 18 says this, what is impossible with man, or what, yeah, what is impossible for men is possible with God. Check out this, uh, this is a, um, a, 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 a fact that I came across uh, this, this week. It says this, The sun radiates more power. The sun radiates more power in one second. Okay? In one second that has been used by all mankind throughout history. In one second, that much, that's how much, the power, how much power the sun radiates. The sun has enough power... No, well, it says the sun has enough power to burn constantly for the next 30 billion years. Where do they get this? How do they know that? I think it's true because it fits my point here, but <laughs> it is amazing, though, to think about it, isn't it? In one second, the sun produces more power than the human, the mankind's used throughout history. In one second, uh, the sun has enough power to, to or I should say, the, the sun has enough power to burn con, uh, constantly for the next thirty billion years. And now, here's the point. And that sun is just one of the gazillions that God has created. Suffice to say it, God has more power than we can comprehend, does He not? You think He's got enough power for our crisis? You think He's got enough power for our problems? You think He has enough power for the things that we're going through? Listen to what Paul says in Romans 4.18. And I'm going to read this from the message paraphrase. It says this, When everything was hopeless, talking about hope, talking about when we're going through that change process and it feels like there's no hope, or we have the power to go through it. He says, When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not to live on the basis of what he couldn't do, but on what God said that he could do. You see, God gives us the power. God comes into our lives and says, you've got some baggage, you've got some areas that I want to bring healing to. You've got some brokenness that I want to so desperately 
call out to you to say, like he said last week in that story where his friends lowered him, through, you know, lowered him on a mat through the roof. Jesus looks at the guy, he heals his sins, but he also says this, he touches him and heals him physically and he says what? Get up! Get up! And he was asking the guy to do something that he couldn't do, he hadn't done his whole entire life. Jesus is telling this guy to get up. I wonder how many of us in here this morning that we're, that that's what Jesus is telling us. Get up. Get off your mat. I'm giving you the power for healing. I'm giving you the power for wholeness within your life. The baggage that you have. The dysfunction that I want to get rid of in your life. Get off your mat and allow me to make those changes within you. Man. You talk about making a difference in this world. If we get enough people that can get off their mats, we're going to demonstrate to the world that God has some power. Because it certainly doesn't come from me, and it certainly doesn't come from you. You see, that's what God wants to deal with. That's what spiritual growth is all about. Spiritual growth is understanding that we are not who we think we are. We are not all that put together. And that God wants to make us whole. God wants to clean us up and, 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 and make us make the broken new again. Here's the other kicker, guys. This is His promise. He's promised to help us. He has literally promised to help us. Psalm 119, the psalmist says this, I expect your help. Why? Because you've promised. This psalmist is laying out some of his crisis, and he gets to that point where he says, this looks so big, I'm paraphrasing, but this looks so big, but I know that I can make it. Why? Because God, you promised me. That's how we're going to get off our mats. Is that we take God up on His promise. That's when we come to Him and say, you know what God, I've got, a lot of, I've got, I've got some areas that need to be changed. And I'm putting on a good front around people, other people. Although the funny thing is, everybody knows that we're all screwed up. That's the funny thing. But man, we work so hard, don't we? Our, that image, man, we will, work, we will work hard at keeping that image. All the while we're broken, we're full of grief, we're full of discouragement. And God says, man, I want that. I want to make you whole. And God says, I promise you that we can make it happen. If you want to have real and spiritual growth, if you want to have real hope in a hopeless situation, something that you thought never could happen or change, you need to remember this, what we talked about. God is with me. He cares about me. He knows my situation. And He's got the power and the promise to change it. We're going to close with one last song. We're going to talk about changing from the inside out. And that's exactly what it's all about. Allowing God to take us, all that stuff, and to literally change us from the inside out. So I pray that as we, uh, as we engage with this song, this one last song, that you would just really lean into it and allow this to be your prayer. I pray that you just allow the Holy Spirit to just grab a hold of you this morning. Maybe this is the day where you need to say, God, I, am, I say that I'm in control, but I'm not in control. And maybe this is the day that 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 surrendering takes place and you begin to live your life in a sense of humility, humbleness, and contriteness towards God.
Would you do that as we engage in this last song?